that answers your question. That's how we start. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> Morning. Thank you for that. And welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I'm Hagen Housheshield. I'm Chapstick Russo. And I'm Ambie Martinez. Hell yeah. That's, that's a new one. It's not your last name. Should, uh, should we introduce ourselves? I am yeah. uh, okay. Andrew <laughs> well, Marinera. And, and Andrew Marinera. <laughs> there you go. All right. I'll let the guests introduce themselves. Uh, hey, what's up? I'm, I'm Charlie Springtime. I'm, <laughs> I'm Aaron, not Springtime yet. But <laughs> 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 oh my God. Is that a hot scoop? That's a hot scoop. <laughs> yeah, that's a hot scoop. It's yeah. a hot scoop. No, hi. I'm Aaron Devaney. Yeah. We're we're here from springtime and the changes. Yeah. Well, uh, also we're missing Adam today. He uh, is sick with flu. We're uh, getting everybody down with the sickness over here. Yeah. Are you gonna do it? Different song. Well, hey, if we're gonna stick in the genre, I'm just trying. I'm throwing anything out there I can. I think she was blanket statementing. I'm, I'm there done you with go. this. Yeah, yeah there you <laughs> go. Blank there you go. Yeah. Blank blanketings again. Yeah. So, Hagen, are you really going to start the song and not uh, not follow through? What? Does he I'm, need to do the wah? Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't just bring up the song and not do it. So, Come we on. have springtime when the changes. <laughs> yeah, hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're here. <laughs> so, I, I guess that brings up a good thing. Uh, Charlie, is your real last name springtime? Uh, no, but funny enough, um, the moniker actually, uh, originated from, uh, when I was in, uh, college, um, I, uh, had some personal wares that, um, I, I sold throughout m- most of my education to kind of pay, pay for, uh, uh, my education. And, uh, w- one of my friends joked that I, I had so much of my product that I made it rain like springtime, and and the nickname kind of stuck with me through the through the rest of my uh, university years. So, uh, I uh, when I started writing my own music, um, I kind of thought it'd be funny to do the you know so and so and the whatever's uh, yeah. formula for a band name. And springtime and the changes was punny enough, and you know used that same nickname that that I had inherited. I actually uh, at one point made it my middle name on Facebook, and when Facebook made me. Uh, take it down because it wasn't my le- legal name. My parents said they were completely cool with me changing it legally. So uh, <laughs> That's I awesome. think, yeah, I think when I have the money to do that, I, I may actually uh, make it official. Uh, Andy had like I this same you. issue. Yeah. yeah, Andy talking to your mic. Got Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, my name on Facebook is Anby, right. and uh, I got it through just under the the Facebook like, yeah. false name detection, and I'm considering changing it to Anbrew legally. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Also, and no, what's your mother's maiden name? Uh, Offlerbach. And what was your first pet? <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, your social security the number? For my credit card number. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. And you can click right here if you don't know what the CVC is. <laughs> I hope I nailed that. I don't know if I did. I wonder but, how many people have to click on that, like, still to this day. They don't, don't know what that is. I think I did in, like, high school. Like, the yeah. first time I had, a, like, a debit card or credit card and then never again <laughs> you're like i got it now thanks guys it's obviously enough of a problem that people don't know what it is <laughs> yeah so uh that's cool that you had a nickname Charlie, yeah. that <laughs> actually stuck because i've tried my whole life to get a nickname for myself and it's never worked Chaps- he, it's he, he made he, he made up all of his nicknames <laughs> <laughs> i did yep. well i have one nickname that actually has died so never mind i'm not gonna even bring it up that's so last season 
New year, new me. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Subtlety. Yeah, that's you, what we're saying now. You just got to start tagging things around town with like a fake nickname of yours and then eventually yeah. reveal yourself as the person that's been doing it. And then, yeah. yeah. The Take problem is, is that all, you make it. they all, they all kind of sound like Jackson, like yeah. Axgen. It's not Axgen, it's right. Axjohn. Okay, whatever. <laughs> that, and I then, took my name and I messed it around. <laughs> and then, make your own nickname. And then and then and then chapstick Russo sounds pretty similar to Jackson Russo. Yeah. And then but 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 his other nickname that 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 one would be a great reveal is Fartass. Oh. <laughs> I bet you can't figure out why. <laughs> nope. Um, that's a reveal that Denton would be waiting to find out. Right. It's Fartass. Yeah. No, fart-ass. but actually, uh, Aaron had it on the nose uh, with you know putting things up as uh, my name and you know really. One day revealing it. So I think today's a good day to reveal uh, I am Banksy. I knew so. it. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was actually about to bring that up <laughs> just a second ago. Yeah. It's I was, been you all along. It has been. Shoot. Don't listen. Yes. It's not that dude from Attack Attack or whatever. Nope. Attack that's the wrong. Titan? Nope. That... Wrong. I, I don't know. Attack Attack on Titan. Attack Attack. <laughs> like that old like Screamo name. band, Attack Attack. Is that what we're talking about? I think I'm wrong here. This is a very... Uh, common thing on this podcast is as soon as you put me under a microscope i start just quoting the wrong thing yeah dude yeah i'm into that <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. right place yeah, is anyone man. really fact checking this though so you're no one yeah, yeah. Hagen's mom. Hagen's mom just like sitting there with a the notepad like that's wrong and that's wrong misquoting abraham lincoln though. is my favorite pastime <laughs> yeah man i can't even think of a, a like a funny misquote of abraham lincoln um so Springtime and the Changes is yeah. y'all's group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of what genre I would put you under. I know that's the shittiest question. To, no, uh, and it's and it's always tricky, but helpful as fuck. I mean, I know people that hate being being put into a category under a label, but at the same time, you know, it's it's nice to relate to things. So I've I've gone from the first band I was ever in, you know, people would describe us, you know, hey, you sound like this, sound like that. The first band I was ever in, the worst association we ever got is someone who just like didn't listen to our style of music described, said that we sounded a lot like Panic at the Disco. And I was like, oh boy, I think I need to change bands after that one. <laughs> Do you um, not like Panic at the Disco? No, nah, they're, they're chill as fuck, but I definitely wasn't trying to sound like Panic at the Disco <laughs> at the time. So it meant we were just headed in the wrong direction. Um, yeah, no, total respect to those guys. I write Sins Not Tragedies is like a jam and, and will never stop being one. But uh, yeah, no, I mean. Hey, it's totally okay to tell Hagen to fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I'll defend Panic at the Disco. Just, you know. I know you guys are both drummers, so like there's some know. tension right yeah, here. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why everybody says that I'm the mean one. Everybody says I'm mean to you on this podcast. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like this episode is more about us, like a group therapy right now. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that make you feel, Hagen? <laughs> I did that. Go- I did. All of our Google reviews just say Hagen's the mean one. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's just Hagen's mom going on the Google reviews writing, you guys should stop being so mean to my son. She does listen to the podcast. She does. There we go. She see? loves the podcast. I don't think my parents listen to the podcast at all. But oh well, yeah. So back to springtime. <laughs> um, I'm definitely not cutting that out either. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> so I think if I were to, for you know the audience to try and put a genre, it kind of there's a lot of that feel of that. I, I don't that kind of new emo style where definitely, it's just kind of yeah. like tiny moving parts. That kind of like where it has like the screaming, but there's also the you know 
pretty melodies and all that stuff and the mathy feel and sections but not just straight up like i can't bob my head it's so mathy Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff i would say that for me is the best way of explaining yeah i think springtime is but then it also like it it feels like there it's kind of just like a collection of musicians you know they're doing their own thing yeah i'd say especially with like origin stories i mean uh, a huge influence on how springtime and the changes uh even became a concept is uh when i first moved to dfw um in the what year is it 18 fall of 2016 um i uh was playing with a band that like three months into moving to DFW uh, kind of kicked me out of the project. Um, and so, you know, c- kind of put my life into perspective, a-, a thing that I had been, you know, putting my work into for about two years, just all of a sudden kind of was taken out from underneath me. So a lot of the songs on, on this first album are actually about kind of that experience and just feeling like kind of tossed out and alone in the world. So incredibly emotionally driven and you know, it, it kind of took me a little while before I even felt okay forming it into a band because it was, you know, a lot of hurt. Yeah, I, 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 at least personally, and from what I see from a lot of people, like out of like really at least musicians or artists in general, you get a lot of like good things out of like shitty situations. Yeah. Like I, I hate that whole idea of like, oh, you have to suffer to make good art, but suffering does make good art absolutely yeah i I think it all comes down to a fact of like whenever you go through something traumatic or you you deal with something that like uh, puts a bit of your life on hold is like how am i going to react to this am i going to let it you know wear me down to the point where i don't want to pursue this anymore or am i going to take it and make you know my own project out of the ashes you know am i going to rebuild or am i just going to let it stay stagnant and so i think that that's a really cool way to look at it and just continue to you know let yourself grow even whenever things seem like they're at their wits end or whatever yeah i feel like it's kind of like that whole like life without perspective like you don't really want to listen to somebody talking about that stuff like if you look at like this is a weird example but like eddie murphy like in his heyday like he was this dude who not came out of nowhere but he you know he has these beginnings and he's just like he has all this perspective and then he became like the biggest comedian in the world and nowadays you hear nothing from Eddie Murphy because he's basically got this like posse and he doesn't understand the outside world because it's just, you know, kind of, he, you know, he is, was the shit for so long that now he doesn't understand what it's like to, you know, have hardships and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's unrelatable. Yeah. Yeah. He hits Pluto Nash. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah. So it's, it's hard to like, you don't really want to listen to people who have no perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I think that kind of gets down to the point of why people enjoy or why, I don't know, hard times or whatever, even happy times. Like, they're both, you know, the same emotion, just opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Just having, you know, something so grand can create something, yeah. you know. Because, you know, energy is not created nor destroyed. It's only transferred. So that's just kind of how you have to look at it in the perspective of, like, growing your own creativity and your own projects and your own, you know, yeah. steps yeah. along the way. And so. that's an interesting way of thinking of it. Yeah. Um I just dissipate all minus heat. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Can you give me an equation of how I would calculate that? Please don't. I mean, He's actually going to do it. <laughs> I'll let you chew on that. I'll ask them a question. I'll come back to you. Sound good? Okay. So getting down to songwriting, since, you know, we're, you were talking about, Charlie, that, um, you know, it came right after, you know, being or leaving a band, however yeah. you want to word that. And, um, 
so nowadays that you know how long have you guys been doing springtime and the changes or how long would you say it like Uh, i'm sure it started with just you and then grew into a thing yeah so i mean the the first song that was ever written wasn't even relative to the band breakup uh prior or anything like that um there's one track not fair that i've just kind of held on to for a long time and uh, that was honestly a song that I wrote when I was, um, single and it's about just being like a complete tease about like pretty much convincing someone you love them and then just like turning it like 180 on them and, you know, just admitting that it was a ruse for the sake of like having fun. Um, but I got serious about it being, uh, a band in a pretty quick flash cause, uh, December of last year, 2017, or not 17, 16. Fuck, man, it's been a long, long <laughs> process. Where, uh, where December 2016, um, my, my other project, Teenage Sex, was um, supposed to play uh, kind of like secret house show in Denton because um, our buddies Honey and Salt were coming up to Denton for like the first time or the first time in a while for them. Um, and so Teenage Sex was set to play this show the night before the show was supposed to go on. Um, both my band members hit me up and they were like, hey man, like we've been like hit with some kind of heavy illness. It, it came on a couple of days ago and we were trying to kick it, but like, we just don't think we can, you know, perform the show. And one night prior to them calling me, I had kind of fucked around with five of these springtime songs with a couple buddies of mine, uh, Zach Walker and Gerald Holt from fun button. Um, and so I called them up right after my, my other bandmates said that they couldn't do it. And I was like, Hey guys, you know, that, two hours of jamming we did yesterday. How about, how'd you feel about, you know, just turn it into a live set and they're, they're pretty game. They're adventurous guys. So, so the first springtime set was just a complete accident and a fill in for, for something that I had, I had much more planned ahead of time. So, um, and honestly, like a house show is the perfect place to cut your teeth. Yeah, because, man. I mean, I, I, always said it you don't have to sound good at a house show you just have to sound loud yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. that that and also you know there's no quicker way to getting a project off the ground than setting a deadline that's way too soon exactly that's that's been my favorite process with any band that i join is you know with rorschach my my previous project and and springtime it's you know we're not gonna play a show till we book till we book one so we might as well just hop on that and with teenage sex you know i joined their their project to albums after they had you know already been writing and performing so i started playing with them and made sure that it was no more than like a month before i played my first show with them so that we were you know quick on it yeah and i I think that like with um just anything you can when it's something you're truly passionate about it's really easy to sit and like want to always be a perfectionist but at some point you have to realize okay i've spent six months to a year on this If I keep doing this, maybe it'll sound better, but is it really any more better than what I have right now? Like, yeah. it's cool that I've added, you know, a string section, but did it really need it? So, like, that, that's what deadlines are for is, you know, I yeah. mean, that's... It's, it's got to come to an end somewhere. Otherwise, yeah. it's just going to be a never-ending pit of editing and refixing. Exactly. And like going mm-hmm. back to it. And it's never going to be good enough as long as, you know, you have the unlimited time for it. So, That's yeah. one of the few perks of having like higher ups of like a record label and stuff like that is Mm. you know they're on your ass to actually do something instead of just be like wow one day this is gonna be amazing i'm gonna go take a nap now yeah exactly (laughs) let's get this done but first (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why there's so many bands that I see just like not. It, it makes me so sad to see so many bands not do anything. Yeah. yeah. Like they like it's it's there's there's so many bands I've seen who are like you are amazing. People who see you love you. Yeah. Go 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 go, go, go do something. Yeah. Go, go record. Go yeah. tour. Go do anything. Yeah. Especially because it, it, here in Denton, people have like a four year cycle and yeah. of attention or maturity, whatever you want to call it. Where they, uh, you know, they're super into something, and if you're not always in their, you know, point of view, it's very easy for them to forget. So, yeah. and and that's not just it, and that's just the world nowadays where it's yeah. very easy if you're not trying to stay relevant, which is it, I guess, a shitty word for it, but like it, you know, people do forget, which sucks. So, yeah, it's I, I completely agree. I see a lot of bands, you know, where you. Know, it's not that I feel you have a window necessarily of like, oh, you have five years and if you don't do something, yeah. then that's your time, however you make of it. I think it's that you have that window and it's always expanding unless you're not doing anything. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. I, I've heard it compared to sandcastles before, and that's been one of my favorite analogies because, I mean, you can start a sandcastle and you can keep building upon it as long as you're like in that moment and like don't take that time for granted. But the second time, the second that one wave washes it, like the sand's always going to be there. You can always go back and start building again. But especially in a college town like Denton, uh, among everything else, people are always cycling in and out of this town. Mm. So the only way to make sure that your band is, is a prominent, you know, feature in, in a town like Denton is you, you kind of have to be one of those bands that people pass down to each other you know pearl earl is a great example of they've been hitting it hard since they even started so i'm sure first years at unt one of the first things i hear about is that kick-ass local band that opens up all kinds of shows in dallas but still isn't afraid to play you know a house show or a free free indies bit yeah and it it's a beauty (laughs) and a uh you know also a non-beautiful thing i couldn't think of a anti-word for beauty right ugly, <laughs> ugly. uh and it, it, it's both of those things that it's like a four-year cycle because you're always getting a fresh audience and then you're also getting uh you know <laughs> sorry my roommate is flicking rubber bands at us so that's why i'm stuttering so much <laughs> no one can focus that's it. yeah I saw him doing it, and then I was like, oh, this won't be distracting at all, and it's incredible. <laughs> He's changing his angle. He's changing his angle. Uh-oh. Yeah. But, yeah, so <laughs> it's beautiful having new people all the time because there it is, like, a new audience. It's not, like, just where uh, your Dallas audience, you know, you're really playing to the same people, yeah. give or take. Uh, but in Denton, there's always, you know, a new crowd. If you give it a year, there will be, you know, freshmen who are – wanting to go to house shows who haven't become cynical about house shows oh, like yeah. everyone well, else has. Yeah. Well, and then, and then there's that whole thing of like, like the people that are going to things like that, like the freshmen who are going to house shows, then they're going to, like you said, get cynical. But like, I don't know. I, f- I feel like the freshmen that are going to house shows aren't necessarily, we've talked about this so many times, aren't necessarily there for the bands. They're yeah. there for the party. Absolutely. They're there to get drunk legally and, you know, not yeah. have to worry about yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, and it becomes like this, it, it, it's, it's definitely like a, you want to play house shows as like a new band, but it's also like a, I have to play like the perfect house show, like the yeah. perfect crowd to yeah. make this do a whole lot. But totally. But at the same time, that must have been like the the perfect setup for the band to start as just like yeah. a yeah 
Just go fuck around for you a little bit. Gotta do it. Yeah, and we, uh, like, ev- I feel like every time that we would introduce a, a new member or someone that was replacing someone else who was usually at a setting that was, like, a lot more intimate and where people are going to be, like, understanding of, like, hey, we're making some changes to our band that's called Springtime in the Changes. Yeah. So it just yeah. kind of comes to the territory. Like, uh, I get it. Yeah. Oh, the whole mystery has been solved. All right, we can finish the podcast now. And that was later. it. Because uh, <laughs> they... Uh, we I wasn't even a part of the band until like their what fourth or fifth show something like that yeah yeah and they yeah. Uh, they played on Valentine's Day this last year and so he just kind of came up to me and was like like I know you don't really care about the like you know classics of Valentine's Day but I didn't want to schedule something on this day and then just be like hey come watch me play a show and not be a part of it so like do you want to come sing with us and I was like yeah I mean I, I guess I've never really done this before but I'll give it a try and we played to like three people in this like club that in you know we we knew the people that were there thankfully but it was it was just really fun and interesting to be able to express ourselves to each other rather than having to really focus on a huge crowd and like trying to bring in that sort of attention it was more of just like we're getting used to each other as a band and you know as a unit and everything and so yeah. i think that's another reason why like house menus and stuff are important for oh, these yeah. startup bands and like you know jam spaces and just like good communities that help keep that sort of intimacy a, a very important role in the music industry around here yeah yeah for sure um so you joined the band later like you said mm. Didn't you also do some other musical exploring this year? I did. Uh, we actually, uh, Charlie and I both um, were briefly a part of this project called Bangerang and would have loved to continue in it, but just have such crazy lives and other, you know, full-time bands and jobs and everything. Uh, but I have a friend in a band, Loafers, that plays in Dallas, and she was contacted by the guy that kind of runs this band because she does bass and sings and that's what he was looking for. And I, I didn't play any instruments at that point, but I always wanted to get into it. So she was like, here's your opportunity. Like, it's going to drive you. The, again, setting that deadline yeah. where you have to, you know, you've got to learn for this next, the first show that we're going to play. Uh, so we had about a month's worth, a couple of months worth of practices and learned all the material. And we played like, what, five shows in a month? After we learned everything, I think, I think it was closer to like eight. Yeah, it was about yeah. like five to eight shows in, in a month. And I, had, you know, was very baby at what I was doing. So I was extremely nervous like the whole time. Is and this as bangering? As bangering. Yeah, this is bangering. So I'd, I was playing bass and singing in this band. And at first I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm going to look like a giant idiot. And then, you know, the more shows that we played, the more I realized like people aren't being as critical of me as I thought. And like, they're, like I said, like there's that patience there and um, it was just cool to be able to learn something with like an objective and then being able to uh, play in a whole bunch of different settings to people I'd never met before. And uh, I ended up bringing Charlie into the whole thing because he needed a key player and I was like, Charlie doesn't play keys, but he can do anything. So just, you know, <laughs> t- tell him what he needs to do and I can guarantee he's going to be good at it. So hot scoop. Charlie can do anything. Charlie can do <laughs> absolutely anything, and it's really annoying, but it's also something I love about him, so it's, yeah. it's a give and take. So, <laughs> so, so that's your musical background. Is this, like, Do you have anything aside from just this year? Just this that's year. Awesome. This has been the only I, – I, like, I was in theater in high school, but we never did musicals, and I like have always known that I can sing but never really did anything with it until I met him, and he was like – 
hey, we're like constantly surrounded by music. You got to do something with this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, incorporating me into springtime. And then now we're kind of writing our own little side project. And I'm trying to, you know, learn more bass and potentially pick up guitar. I just kind of yeah, want to. I was going to say, it, yeah. does it, because I assume in springtime, it, uh, it's a lot of Charlie writes a song mm. and then brings it to the group or yeah. maybe you guys write a song together. Yeah. But I was wondering if uh, you think that, you know, now that you've done bass, mm-hmm. if you will try to, you know, yeah, go more into just writing your own stuff yeah. instead of it just being a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, Charlie does like the backbones of the songs and he does most of the structure, but thankfully we have a really great group of music- musicians that can write their own material. Um, and, he kind of introduced me into it very slowly, like lyrically and just wanted to make sure I was comfortable before I started to really take, you know, big dives into, uh, the lyrical portion of it. But Mm -hmm. I've been writing more of the, uh, words and everything and kind of incorporating myself more into the verses and trying to, um, create my own style, I guess, within the band too. So it's, it's been a really cool experience and a good journey thus far. So I can't really cannot wait to see it until like what we do next and everything. So yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of what you guys are doing next, you said you're a relatively new band and yeah. you guys are releasing your debut EP. Yeah, man. Do you want to chat about that? It's <laughs> wild that we even have an EP coming out because yeah. I, I joke around with a lot of my friends. Um, the, the other project that I play with, Teenage Sex, is, you know, about to sign to a label. We're recording a full length for the first time in my musical career that's completely paid for on someone else's dime. It's that's, it's like the real deal in air quotation marks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, fuck me, dude. I've, By the way, know. that's teenage sex with two X's. Two for X's. Anybody who wants it's to check that out. Incredibly important. Your Google research search research. <laughs> your Google search results will thank you if you. Yeah, include we'll put that. that in the notes. Yeah. But for anybody who yeah. is impatient. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so you know, Springtime's my no-budget band in that. We've only really played live shows, and at every show I just pay out the band. I haven't really invested any money, but um, I've got a buddy, uh, Ben Napier, who owns Green Audio Studios in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and he and I are buddies, so one day this past spring, he hit me up and was like, hey man, I've got a hold at a venue. Um, It's kind of last minute. I think it was like a week and a half before the show was supposed to happen, but he was like, I haven't booked anything, and if if you can, you know, just throw three bands together last minute, like I, I'll do you a huge solid, whatever, whatever you need. And I was like, that's really funny because I got this band that's got about seven songs, and like I'll never get them in a studio unless I just like luck out and get some free studio time. So we agreed to four hours, and in four hours we cut a seven track EP with six members, which was yeah, yeah, yeah. stupid. He <laughs> he was not wild. He was not happy until it was over, and then he was very impressed with us. So yeah. you know, I'll take I'll take yeah, that reaction stressful, to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, they he he actually also is a great guy, and to save him money, but to also give people invaluable experience, he's great about keeping about two to three interns. Um, so we actually became the first project that one of his interns took took on fully um austin lyons and i was honestly from the get-go super impressed with this guy i mean he he had seen a lot of ben napier's work and ben's one of my favorite sound guys in the dfw area but austin just like you know took the reins by force and and gave us a great product to to give to everyone so yeah pretty stoked about it and uh yeah we'll be releasing it um the weekend after Valentine's Day, uh, Thursday, February 15th in Fort Worth at Main at Southside, which is 
easily become my favorite place to play in in Funky Town now. I haven't been there that yet. That venue is Hagen amazing. That, yeah. I love that place so yeah. much. Pretty solid spot. It's um, run by musicians, right? Yeah. It's Something yeah. Like yeah, it's run by a bunch of dudes that have been involved in the Fort Worth scene for a long time too. So, I mean, a, a bunch That's of them you need. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 got together and they pretty much were like, you know, what out of everything we've seen in the past 20 years in this town has every single one been lacking and they they just did everything right from a platform stage with a great you know backdrop in case you're playing a show without without anything to project behind you or whatever incredible light system incredible sound system um and they they even struck a great deal you know that i I won't divulge just in case there's some kind of secret behind it but they're, they're essentially able to pay very cheap rent considering they're in the magnolia area so their sound cost and, and house cost is pretty low too that's awesome i mean yeah. that's good to hear hopefully because yeah. you always hear about these great places like these ideal like kind of just oasis and you know like a sea of just kind of like oh you're we're not going to pay you tonight there was only 50 people here it's like oh shit only 50 yeah sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <just> yeah like, <laughs> but well. uh you always hear about these like uh, amazing places opening up and then it's just like six months later they like, you know, close. So that sounds like, you know, they've got an ideal situation. Yeah. I yeah. I, I really expect they'll last works. a little bit longer because the Fort Worth scene has always been, been the hardest in my opinion. And, and I'm glad I for that reason that yeah. we, yeah. we got in at Maine at Southside cause I don't think I would have wanted. Yeah. I, I mean, I fundamentally do not understand the, Fort Worth scene. Not in a, <laughs> I got that, you. That's, I got you. No, that sounds well, like shit talking. And I got it's you. not. I got you. And this is also not shit talking, but I got you. Country music. Yeah. <laughs> well, Here, consider this. We live in Texas. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also, but it's like, but it's like you you look at Denton and Dallas, and there mm. there's there's I mean Dallas especially like Deep Ellum is like yeah. I mean like yeah country uh, bands can play there, but, but I mean there's be, yeah. but there's so mm. many other venues and everything like that. Like every single Fort Worth venue that I can think of, except for like you know Mass, I guess has country sometimes. Yeah, the Grotto had country sometimes, but like Lola's, that's a country venue that occasionally has indie bands playing. Yeah, I mean especially when they built the backyard. Yeah, exactly. And then like Magnolia Motor Lounge, love that place. That's a country singer songwriter bar. Like that's that's what that is. Mm -hmm. And like there's nothing wrong with that, but that's that's what Fort Worth is. Fort Worth is all like they're so heavy on country music. Yeah. That and the, well, and those shows almost need no promotion because people are going to go out to them. Yeah. The I, the other thing I will say for Fort Worth is, I think that they've got some of the the toughest musicians that I've ever met because they're having to fight their own town um, as far as yeah. you know gaining the spotlight. Some some of the bands I know that have been you know going at it for a while, Panic Volcanic, Dead Vinyl. I really appreciate the way that they take their city and you know use it to their advantage and try to make being the outlier as a rock and roll musician kind of kind of cool and it's it's been cool to see but yeah so i'm i'm stoked that there's like at least one venue now that i i felt was like worth hitting up in fort worth um friday february 16th we'll be doing andy's and denton which has been my favorite bar to interact with um my my top three favorites to play in denton i think right now are uh andy's backyard on bell and uh harvest house but you know harvest house is just like when you can play there it's good to play i I wouldn't make it like a regular spot to to gig at but um yeah blake blake mcdaniel has been a a pretty good friend of mine uh since i moved here i i've almost booked every show that i play at andy's actually directly through blake which i I think makes me unique and sorry blake if i kind of just 
threw you under the bus there for for giving <laughs> I'll, me that I'll privilege. His but, name out. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So uh, really stoked to be releasing at Andy's because that's like one of the first real venues that Springtime even played at. Um, and we've had some pretty solid shows there. We we played New Year's Eve there with uh, Mother Tongues and Criminal Birds, and had our buddy Sea Line up yeah, from Dallas for that, that was one. A nuts show. Yeah, yeah man, was I was great. I was yeah. super happy with how <laughs> it was that also turned like out. Just freezing outside, so yeah. you get the uh, the perk of um, people who are going to go out front to smoke cigarettes. Mm. Yeah, don't really want to do that because so, nah, it's yeah. so cold. So they're going to yeah. stay in no matter what. Yep, like they are, and that. That show in particular was kind of a little pet project of mine. I, I thought back in October, you know, ha- how fun it would be to do a New Year's show, but I didn't want to do it unless I had the right bands and, and the right location. And, and those were the right bands. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. By the end of the night, couldn't have asked for, for a better occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like a couple of days before uh, the... Uh, mini mall caught on fire and yeah. like i saw that and i was like oh shit like is yeah that a show not gonna no. yeah yeah, yeah a lot of people messaged thought, yeah. me that night about the show and like, i mean yeah glad, glad it didn't turn into a whole epidemic yeah for anyone who doesn't know there uh denton the way it's set up is our we have two main spots where people hang out it's fry street which is you know where all the college kids go to drink uh the pseudo frat kids because <laughs> UNT frat and sorority people are bottom of the barrel because yeah. they couldn't get into AM and all yeah. that stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> not shit talking. Yeah. No, that was 100% that was shit, shit talking. talking. That was, that you was, been to Fry Street to yeah. know what goes I mean, on there because he's not Please don't mistake wrong. me. That was shit talking. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. we uh, also have the square, which is more, you know, older crowd, but also just people like uh, more traditional venues, not DJs and stuff like that. And just there's little offshoots of that. But there's a square. It's literally a square, and uh, it's downtown Denton. Yeah, yeah, it's downtown Denton. Every small town has one. And we had this <laughs> mini mall, and it just one night caught a caught a blaze, and not just like a, oh a little section of it caught on fire. The whole thing is just mm-hmm. basically hollow now. You can look up yeah. little aerial views of it, and like all the buildings there are like side to side. So like everyone was super worried that the yeah. square did, was going to well, get destroyed. Did Anakin yeah. statue make it out? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Oh no. my god, I didn't think about that. I've been no. going into that place for years, and they had a little statue of Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars Episode Lord One uh, in his pod racing. Uh, now this is pod racing, yeah. Yeah. and I they were selling it for like three thousand dollars. I don't think. Jeez. I don't think that guy made it out. No. I'm he sorry. Was, did you say Episode One? Yes. And someone. I'm sorry. Why exactly. did they praise it to me that much money? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like it. I like, think it was it's no a great movie. It. Hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. Excuse you. It was like plastic. Too. Episode yeah. One. It's a great movie. <laughs> Anyways, Let's since this isn't a movie podcast, I'm not going to yeah. start yet. Um, <laughs> I would love that. I've, I've been wanting to do like an episode of this, of just like like a, either a bonus episode or yeah. just like an out of nowhere episode having yeah. like a couple movie people. On he, just he, just, he just, he just, he just wants to talk know. about how much he hates La La Land. That's all I would love to, to do that. <laughs> I've never seen about. it and I already hate it. Okay, so. but we're talking for a second. I saw a Star Wars episode one dub where they took Jar Jar and just dubbed gibberish over all his lines, like alien deep voice gibberish, and it was so much better. I good. Chief whiz, finally some good in this world. But okay, so back so, to anyways. people were trying to destroy the square because the other day somebody ran their car into one of the storefronts as well. Yeah, and so just I, my theory is that Austin, uh, there are Austinites who are worried that Denton is uh, getting too big for its shoes, yeah. and because oh, we man. keep calling ourselves a little Denton, which we're or a little Austin, which we're not. No, and 
they are coming to sabotage us. I'm sorry, guys. It's been me the whole time. I've been spirit. Yeah, I was about to say, as, as two Austinites that <laughs> relocated to Denton, I hope yeah. we're not a... Being no, I... You're suspect. Burn this city down. I'm totally cool with there was it. Also, there was also the um, the building that Penders is in, too. Yeah. Penders, Penders, Penders was fine. Penders was fine, but the, uh, the business next to it was oh, not. Yeah. I did not hear about that. Well... Whoever's doing it, stop, please. Yeah, please stop. Cut it yeah. Just the people's we're gonna, livelihood. We're nicely before yeah. we have yeah. to take some action. Yeah. Please well, stop. so fortunately, Andy's hasn't been burned down, and you will yeah. be able to catch us there. Yes. Uh, and February then you have 16th. another one. Yeah, yeah. One more. Um, and that that one, the I'm weekend of music. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, the I've realized I I kind of at first didn't know if doing three DFW releases was gonna work, but. From my experience in each town, it's it's hard to get people to drive 30, 40 minutes nowadays. People hate driving. Yeah, people so don't want to drive to the square. Especially around here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah man. Yeah. So I so I figured it wouldn't hurt to do Dallas, Ditton, and Fort Worth because I've I've become very well acquainted with the music scene in each. So you know, at, at least wanted to make sure it was a different show each time, so you got a better experience. So yeah, um, February seventeenth, yeah. Saturday, it'll it'll be uh springtime with uh teenage sex my other band which which has a lot more of a dallas pool and then a couple buddies loafers and sub-sahara that also do great things around the the deep ellum area you kind of like now that i'm thinking of it have like kind of like prime real estate because in fort worth i feel like on a friday it's a little easier to navigate maybe i don't know where man on there where is that place main at south side it's it's like right by it's right in between like shipping and receiving and then like Magnolia Avenue that has like chat room and boiled out. It's like, okay. it's all, it's like right yeah. at 35 too. It's yeah. Like, okay. So you, you yeah. parking there is going to be easy for people. Yeah. Parking. Yeah. They, they parking's have great. Parking they have a parking lot and everything. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And parking on the square, even if it's the most busy day of the year, it's still, you can find a spot yeah. that's a couple blocks over. Uh, and then Sunday night in Dallas, you nailed it. Like that. Oh, well, it's actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Son of a yeah. bitch. Yeah, I know, I <laughs> but know. But it's not in Deep Ellum, so it's Thursday not Thursday in so Fort bad. Worth, because we know it's going to be hard enough to play there on a weekend. Yeah. I, I also have a lot of service industry friends in Fort Worth, so it's a lot easier to ask off on a Thursday than Friday or Saturday. You're thinking with your brain. Uh, Friday at Andy's, because Denton's not large enough to even have traffic problems. And then our Dallas show is at hey, Transit. don't tell Denton that. I know. Yeah. Them. Oh, no, oh, Austin's man. coming. I can hear yeah. it. <laughs> After having toured through L.A., no one has reason to gripe Ooh. about traffic. But, um, yeah, man. Uh, but, yeah, and then Saturday in Dallas, but we're playing in the Greenville area at a little bike shop called Transit Bicycle Company. So... Yeah. We're we're skirting just outside of the deep elm traffic enough to to not have to worry about that. Yeah, that um, that I've never seen like a full show at that uh, the bicycle shop. Yeah, but, uh, I've seen like little like so far shows, little yeah things. Yeah, and, yeah, and I I'd seen a couple of those super videos. In that. Um, Parade of Flesh has started booking shows there, and they've got um, Ian who plays bass for Acid Carousel as their their permanent stand-in sound guy. So. Uh, for DIY shows, they're they're some of the better that I've seen. Um, it is Parade of Flesh, so I, I won't say numbers, but the house cost is kind of strange considering it's in a, a DIY bike shop. But yeah, the people in that bike shop, like I, I, when I was there, every show I've been to there, uh, it's 
they the bike shop people just hang around and they don't really run the shop they're just yeah. there to hang around yeah. yeah some of the nicest people i've ever met oh, yeah, yeah very awesome. accommodating um teenage sex has played a show there before so that's actually what prompted me to even see if that was an option and and when we played i mean there was free beer for the artists um there was a touring band so you know didn't get to see what the pay was like because we we made sure that the touring band was taken care of but yeah. i mean it was packed for the tiny little shop that it was, and we had a great time. I mm-hmm. I think it should be a fun time again. Yeah, I mean, it is a small shop, which is like, honestly, I like playing small venues whenever mm-hmm. I know the size band that I'm in. Yeah. I'm under no impression that I can pack out Andy's all by myself. Right, yeah. I like playing small places like that because when they do fill up and when it fills up because of me, it's a good feeling. It's like, yeah. okay, I can work my way up to Andy's. Absolutely. And like, I can do this. That will come in due time. So that, that's nice. It's always a good feeling, and it, especially having loafers on that lineup. Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah like, and they're and they're close friends. Pack. Yeah, I yeah. actually, um, Eric from Loafers, uh, as well as Savannah and Taylor, um, and then Kevin, the bass player from, I was gonna say, from Teenage are you Sex. Gonna leave out uh, somebody from Loafers, or well, just, they're, uh, well, they're, no, they're in, like the transition of drummers right now. Uh, so yeah, right. Well. So I'm barring barring any dramatic speech, I'm actually referring to a, a record label that um, yeah. a collective of people from Loafers and Teenage Sex has mm-hmm. started, uh, Barf Wave, and that's that's been pretty cool too. That's that's gotten me a lot closer with the Loafers crew because we've we've started putting on events together, um, everything from showcases to album releases. Uh, Springtime is actually releasing as a Barf Wave artist ourselves. Awesome. Um, and we even have a. Uh, a monthly vinyl night that we've put together at, at one of the, the DJ clubs in Dallas, which has been really goofy because it's just a bunch of punk kids playing everything from, you know, our favorite recent releases to like records that we pull out of mom and dad's collection. So, yeah, uh, my, cool. yeah my favorite that I've played is I definitely have a uh, copy of uh, Culture Club's Color by Numbers. Nice. Yeah. And, I hit him hard, He's man. So proud. <laughs> so proud. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think one night I'm just gonna bring that back and just play the the record front to back as my whole set, you know. Um so I had no question. I'm really good at that starting something and then just not knowing how to follow through. Yeah, whenever whenever Jackson starts talking, even outside of the podcast, I'm like, is he actually gonna have a sentence to say or is he just gonna <laughs> open his mouth and just say so? <laughs> I noticed that this week. I really did. I was just like, Holy shit. I was working on a project with like, you know, five other people and every time there was a lull or something, somebody did something, I would go, So and then I would never have some, anything. And yeah. then I would just continue what I was doing. I was like, shit, I'm really bad at that. Uh, yeah. I think I think Jackson's trying to move to our next segment. But I'm going to I'm gonna ask one more question before we go to the next segment. Yeah. So, uh, Charlie, you play a lot of instruments. I sure do, yeah. Do yeah. Oh. Aaron already said That's that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, we anything. touched on it. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. So I can wear beanies. We got Aaron's musical background, but yeah. I want to get I want to get yours. Um, I want to so, get how you started. I want to get everything you play. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what's your name? What's astrology sign? sign? If we're gonna yes. if we're gonna go if we're gonna go the the full gamut. Um, I I actually started out uh, learning piano at a young age, but I'm horrible with direction. So I made all three piano teachers that my parents tried out on me cry and quit. Um, so that was unfortunate. Uh, tried doing orchestra in middle school growing up and had a fun time, had a great one great instructor who got me really far with stand-up bass. And then he was too good for the middle school I was going to moved on to a high school. And we got this teacher that basically 
untaught everything that he did. So quit orchestra and throughout high school and college, I just kind of thought that, you know, music was a great hobby, but I just didn't seem to do well with direction by other people and didn't have enough direction myself. I, I wasn't sure that I was ever cut out to be a real musician. So for, for those eight years, I think the most I did was like open mic nights at student coffee shops while I was in college, just doing like fun covers or whatever, um, on acoustic guitar. And then, uh, right around the time I graduated college, I, I made a couple friends at the university I went to, uh, Southwestern down in Georgetown, Texas, who were from Amarillo, Texas. And they would always bring their friends down. Cause for those that don't know, there's nothing going on in the panhandle. So <laughs> the friends absolutely loved coming down 30 miles North of Boston to come, come hanging out, hang out with us at a college university. And, uh, this one friend, uh, that came down one time, Dusty Calcote, um, was just like a completely different breed than anyone I had met before. Um, he was into a lot of the same, like kind of acoustic folk artists that I was into. Uh, the first time we met, we actually, he and I were like just kind of dicking around on two, two acoustic guitars. And, uh, he started playing a tallest man on earth cover. And I didn't know too many people at the time that knew who tallest man on earth was. I didn't know anyone that could cover one of his songs. And so, I responded with the only tallest man on earth cover that I knew. Um, and from then on we, we had a pretty solid friendship. Um, he had already had some stuff that he was working on a solo project referred to as dusty Lee and the tambourine choir. And, you know, part of his intention with calling it the tambourine choir is maybe eventually taking on other bandmates. So I was, the first that he had ever considered we started getting together and then he just completely changed his writing style once he had a second guitar and we wrote a song called coastlines which um actually inspired me to play drums because we fucked around with that song for maybe three months playing it as like an acoustic duet and finally just got to the point where we were like this song needs to be heavier and we're just two people dusty had enough of that kind of just all-encompassing can do rhythm and lead at the same time style so I opted to buy a drum kit and that's kind of how I started playing drums just on a whim because the sound needed it um and Rorschach went on to be a project that uh we pursued for a couple years in the Austin area we had uh everything from a great album release to uh a really successful year at South by where we played like 12 shows in a week um and moved up to DFW which uh, upside was, you know, we were moving because a lot of people in the DFW area also seemed to have a lot of garnered interest in our, our sound. Yeah. There was a while there where like I, I had seen you guys play a couple house shows and it seemed like you guys were back like every month. Yeah. Or and I yeah. Was like, it's really cool. Like that, you know, that was right when I was getting into house shows and it was, it was super badass. And then when I heard that you guys were moving to town, I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like they're really, you know, like actually... You yeah, know, it was cutting it here. It was one of those. I mean, we we were starting to make moves in the Austin scene, but we realized, just like a lot of other people, that it's it's a saturated market is the term that I hear. Uh, co competitive market is a little bit more, you know, American capitalist way of, of phrasing it. But point in case, there's just a shit ton of musicians in Austin, and a lot of the musicians that you hear about in Austin are people that came from some kind of family background or some kind of business relationship to where they're able to kind of push their music a little bit farther in the industry um so you know dusty and i being two guys work in service and service industry jobs from you know completely outside of austin realized that 
DFW was a little bit better for artists that had great sound, but not, not the connections. So, um, inspired the move, but we, uh, decided to move a week after we went on a two week tour. So we didn't really have a game plan. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of part of what undid that project is, is we moved to Fort Worth and, uh, didn't have housing or jobs figured out. So uh, I was homeless for a couple months in Fort Worth, uh, in 2016, which was an experience. Um, I got really good at, you know, exchanging chores for like, hey, I'll stay on your couch for a couple weeks, but you won't know that I'm here or anything like that. And it was uh, something I'm glad that I don't think I'll ever have to go back to, but very grateful that I had the friends to support me through that time and everything. Um, but yeah, we just got really tense with each other. And I think it, it taught us that you can take on a lot as a band, but um you always got to be prepared for, you know, personal interests and tension get in the way of, of being productive. And so we uh, just kind of tried to keep making the music work, but Dusty wanted to focus on other things and we kind of started getting into some tiffs. So we broke up and uh, about a month later, I was uh, definitely, you know, putting feelers out because I've, I've wanted to play music professionally since we started Rorschach and um, I'm always grateful that we met because I don't think anyone else could have inspired me the way that Dusty did. Um, and so I, I put out feelers for, you know, wanting to play drums for another band. Cause I, I started to feel like that was where I was strongest at and got, got a couple offers from groups that I like really didn't like. So was, was starting to feel, was starting to feel like maybe, you know, there was a reason that I got kicked out of this one project and there was something wrong with me, but then, uh, I actually, funny enough, didn't hear from Teenage Sex directly, but Eric uh, Von Eisman from Loafers hit me up, and uh, at the time, their drummer, Josh, was was playing for Teenage Sex, but obviously with a band like Loafers, you know, Teenage Sex could only book a gig if it was convenient enough for those guys, because Loafers has been a band for, I think, like seven or eight years now, yeah, and so uh, Eric hit me up, and he was like, hey man, you're one of the best drummers I know who's completely free on the market right now. And these guys need someone full time. Um, and so on his suggestion, I, I went in for an audition, which became, I learned all 12 songs that they were performing live in the span of like an hour and a half. Um, so, so yeah, now I'm, now I'm playing drums full time in a punk band that's been nominated two years in a row for the best punk act in the dallas observer awards and this year we've been nominated for for our first time as the best punk act in the denton music awards which is yes. huge honor considering i mean i've been a denton resident a total of like a year and two months and caleb's lived here for maybe three months yeah, yeah. um but yeah so so that's in a nutshell, my, my music experience, I think I think the craziest thing I've ever done was the Bangarang project. Cause, yeah, he uh, was doing everything. He had, yeah. yeah, so Randy Cochran, brilliant, brilliant guy. He he does a lot of uh, studio work as, as well as composing, and I think that's his strongest suit because yeah. the, the guy has incredible attention to detail. Yeah. Um, but the, the Bangarang project was really interesting because it's the first time I've worked with someone that had everything written out. So, you know, Aaron and I went in and it, it was great for her learning bass because she didn't have to write material. She just had yeah, to learn no. someone else's. Um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, he had me playing three keyboards. I had uh, an old Rhodes, like 70s Rhodes organ that 
was the fucking biggest pain in the ass I've ever <laughs> had as like far as moving equipment. Pounds. Yeah, yeah. So sixty heavy. pound old school electric organ, um, a little Juno keyboard which I used for one sound effect in one song, but you know, <laughs> ad- added to the atmosphere. Um, I had a little <clears throat> MIDI synth that was hooked up to a laptop, and then on half of the songs he was like, "Oh, you know, it'd be great if we had three guitars for this part." So I occasionally threw guitar in there. Um, but yeah, so I don't think I'll ever do a project like that, but great experience for, for the time being, you know? So, so drums was like a, was like an afterthought for you though. Yeah. I mean, I, I never considered it funny enough growing up. I mean, I, I started messing with guitar a little bit, but, uh, my, my little brother was the only one between the two of us who had ever considered drums. He, he did drumline in, in high school and had a kit and, you know, I think maybe once or twice I fucked around on it, but yeah, drums became you know, a second thought at first and then immediately became what I was best at and what That's people awesome. wanted me for. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm still waiting to find that for me, just in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it may be doing laundry. <laughs> or podcasts. Sometimes I can no. swear. That's not <laughs> no. it. It's not podcasts. Definitely not. I'll figure it out <laughs> one day. Well, who started this podcast? Andy. Hagen. When Andy started this podcast. I thought when we weren't I doing this. this podcast. I, thought, I, thought, I thought New Year we weren't going to do this bit anymore. <laughs> so do you want me to edit this out? Nah, that's cool. Cool, I wasn't going to. So more subtle. So, so when Andy started this podcast, he had the idea of having um, touring bands on, and it turned into having local bands on, but... The idea is that we want to talk about tour stories. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. We so we ask we ask the bands your um, your favorite tour stories, highs and lows. You can start whichever one you want to. Yeah. Cool. Um, can I can I tell the Tijuana story? I I <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Uh, well, okay? are we starting with highs? You let's start, get with, that let's start out with the first? high. Let's okay. let's let's start with the so the Aaron's craziest thing high. that happened to us. Hey, I'm always high. Let's be honest. The craziest <laughs> thing that happened to us while we were on tour. We uh, so teenage sex went on tour for 19 days this last summer, all up the West Coast, and uh, I followed them and did photography and like uh, did some live shooting, shootings of them and she, everything. She, she didn't follow us. She got to ride with us. We're not yeah. that rude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was in a tiny car behind them, just yeah. treading along. We we could afford uh, a van. You're yeah. in one of those sidecars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just strapped me to the roof. <laughs> um, but we were in San Diego, right? Like right outside mm-hmm. San Diego, um, playing a show, and it was like about nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. And the show that they played, unfortunately, was to a lot of high schoolers, so uh, no one could really be like, "Hey, mom, dad, can this punk band come stay at our house for the night?" Because they don't have anywhere to because they're broke. <laughs> um, so I was looking around Airbnbs, and I found one that was crazy cheap, and, and I was like, "Cool, like sign me up." And uh, they even let us book super late and everything. And then I pull out my maps and I look at the GPS and there's a very thick red line between us and where the Airbnb was. And I was, so I turned to Charlie and I was like, I think I may have booked us an Airbnb in Tijuana. And he yeah, was that like, thick red line what? was the uh, U S Mexico. That border. was the U S Mexico border between us. And yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, so we talked it through and I talked to the girl that we rented from and was like, do we need our passports to get, over the border and she was like no like they might give you a little bit of trouble coming back in 
but it's the California Mexico border. It's not as strict as the Texas Mexico border. You just need a valid US ID and if you have your like an active passport, that's even better even if you don't have it with you. And so we were like, cool. It's really late. We have no other options. This is literally 30 minutes away from us and we like we looked up all the laws for it and everything and we felt a little bit safe about it. So we uh took the trip. We drove into Mexico and it was a total shot in the dark and we were all kind of freaking out about it. Um, but we get to the, to the spot and it's just the nicest little house in this tiny neighborhood with a little like carnival rider on the corner, maybe a mile and, uh, from the ocean. Yeah. And then it was yeah. gorgeous. It was, we were, it was we were on the shore nice. of Tijuana. Yeah. So we, uh, we get there and our host is just the nicest lady. And she like walks us in and is like, here's this giant side house for, you know, $20 a night that we're renting out to you that you guys all get like your own spot to sleep in. And, you know, we had had such bad conditions before, like on a couple of the spots that we were like, this is great. This is, this is like the grandest thing that we've done so far. And we're in, you know, Mexico, you never would think that. Um, so we, get all settled in and stuff and uh so two two of the people that were with us the guitarist and like one of the lead vocalists for teenage sex and i were both 20 and so like we hadn't been able to drink the whole time and like we'd been to a lot of legal states so we were kind of missing out on a lot of the fun but she was like uh by the way like it, you you guys do you realize like 18 is a legal drinking age in mexico like you guys can go to the bar around the corner and no one's going to give you any grief and so we're like you know what you know fuck it like let's do it let's just take the advantage while we're here so we walk around the corner and we were going what we got arrived to Mexico at midnight 30 and it took us a while. So unlike America where the bars all close at two, it yeah. was about 2 a.m. when we first set out to the yeah. bar. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, so I'm going to interject because yeah. you're missing some key points in the story. Key point. So went out the to the bar at 2 a.m. So God the damn. streets are desolate. No one is out. And she gives us these really kind of like vague description of this bar that she's trying to tell us to go to so we just turn the corner and pretty much just go into the first place that we walked can see that looks like a bar it wasn't the bar she she was talking about it was this little like taco like taqueria i don't even know what it was like it was kind of a restaurant but just like a little shack of a bar and there was yeah so so what, what i found out is pretty common is a lot of restaurant owners will keep their bar in the front area and the restaurant lobby in the back because yeah. you can shut down your kitchen and, and restaurant and just have a keep tiny bar. little bar area that yeah. you keep open late, save your utilities and everything, but still have it right at your front entrance. So, yeah, yeah we found we found a spot like that. Yeah, and we uh, walk in, and there's three people in the bar. Do you remember it's, the owner's name? I don't remember the owner's Jaime. name. Jaime. Our new buddy, Jaime. Our new buddy, Jaime. So it was, it was Jaime, the owner, his... <laughs> wife or his nope. friend no she, she was just his friend she's mm-hmm. just his friend and, and the then bartender. and then the bartender so we all walk in and there's this very brief moment of like we we walk in everyone stops we all lock eyes and we all kind of have this thought of like oh shit should we be here and all of a sudden the bartender like reaches slowly behind him and he goes tequila <laughs> and so we're like sure yeah, very so Mexico, yeah so yeah. yeah they were awesome. and that just immediately broke the ice and we all had such a fun time these people were all like probably in their like mid 40s or so like clearly way beyond our ages like i think the bartender hardly spoke any english and we were just there was no barriers between us that day we That's had awesome. so much yeah. fun like we just were there was you know five six of us in few, the bar all together few, yeah. few drinks each yeah. um um, eventually a couple other U.S. citizens came by and it was one of their birthdays. They were guys that 
worked across the border, but yeah. since they were working literally right on the other side, they realized that they could get much af- more affordable housing yeah. in yeah. Tijuana. Oh, yeah. I think he said um, he was paying, like, $150 a month for his, like, <laughs> you know, one-bedroom apartment yeah. right off the beach. drinking costs like oh, in Mexico? Like, I mean, it was, it was yeah. two to three bucks for calls and top shelf yeah. type liquor yeah, oh. yeah. It, it was, was great. it was great we stumbled um, on the right spot we yeah really yeah but yeah i went area. went over with homeboy to his apartment for for a hot minute and smoked a joint with him to celebrate we uh <laughs> definitely caught both our bass player and our guitar player dancing with the owner's friend who despite the fact that she was in her mid-40s was one of the most attractive people i think i saw the entirety of tour including everyone my age um <laughs> so so that was pretty dope and i think at one point she was very interested in going home with our guitar player so he, he unfortunately was a little too uh nervous to to follow through but um <laughs> that was like great yeah you know whatever time, uh, teenage sex can be on this podcast and we can razz him about that yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. man he'd, he'd love that yeah. Um, but yeah, so stayed out to like four in the morning, um, and then uh, 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 realized that we had to be on the road around noon the next day. So woke up in a hurry. Um, realized that we had quite a few already opened packages of legal marijuana because we had been across the West the Coast, and yeah. there's places to actually purchase that now. You know, so 2018. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so we realized that we needed to get rid of anything that was going to make the car smell because although it was totally legal to buy that weed in the U.S. You can't travel it back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to travel it back and forth. Getting into Mexico was no problem, but, you know, U.S. customs are a yeah. little bit more difficult. Yeah. So, um, it's easy to leave America. It's hard to get back. Yeah. It's so we smoked maybe five grams in the matter of, like, an hour. We were all exhausted. Like, we, by the time it was done, we were all just looking at each other like, oh, um, please make it stop. You guys and were those commercials. Yeah. From, like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like, like whenever they, like, catch you with your... What? Oh, sorry. Whenever they, like... Like, you know, your parents like catch you with your weed and they're like, you got to smoke it all. Like that was yeah. pretty much, we were just exhausted at yeah. that point, but um, much more terrified of getting arrested. Got that all taken end. care of, got in the line to drive, you know, back across to the U.S. And I realized halfway through the line that takes about an hour to an hour and a half to get through a mile that we were getting close to empty on the gas tank. So, so that was my first AC. worry. <laughs> um, then realized as we were about to cross through that we were still in a giant tour van. So even if we didn't have anything illegal, we're four gringos crossing back over from a 12 hour stay in Mexico in a Candyman van. Yeah. yeah. It didn't look that great. Um, and so we, we pull up to the, the gate and fortunately we got like the one guy that just seemed to like want to work for us as best as he could. So yeah. You know, he he sees the fact that we don't have passports, collects our state IDs, and he was like, how many of you have had a passport at any point in time? And I was like, I think at least half of us, why? He was like, if I can find records of over 50% of you having had passports at some point, then I can just let you through. If not, we're going to have to do a detailed search of the van. And we still had still had an eighth of weed and stuff, and, yeah, and, yeah, and so some we contraband. Like... <laughs> so three out of four of us have had passports before, and we yeah. made it through. It was yeah. great. Um, yeah, we, and uh, that was Tijuana, Mexico. That was Tijuana. Yeah. So was yeah. that? So was that a high and a low? It was I mean, a little bit of both. It was stressful. Are but you gonna it was, make that both of yours? It was. 
I don't know. I guess I'm gonna. I was actually gonna lead. I was gonna lead directly into the low by just making a checkpoint, like a more serious checkpoint. Okay, story. we'll, we'll, we'll get we, back to you about that. Aaron just likes telling the weed stories. I want to tell my high story. You stole half of my story. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so I think I should be able to throw my low in there. Okay. Real quick. Can I tell the story? Yeah. <laughs> Who else wants to just cut in? Yeah, we'll mediate and let Jackson tell a story. Yes. No, don't let him tell a story. This will never end. No, yeah. he's actually a pretty good storyteller. But you go, you go yeah. ahead. Tell okay. your, tell your I'll, story. I'll throw, I'll throw the low in there. It's pretty, it's a pretty quick story. But on, on the like kind of same idea of the whole like checkpoint thing. We were driving through uh, New Mexico and we didn't realize that they had multiple checkpoints in New Mexico where they would stop you and just make sure that you're not like harboring anybody or uh, anything like that. It was Arizona. It was Arizona. Sorry. Had that same issue. <sighs> so we were in Arizona driving through and we were, we were smoking a bowl and then all of a sudden we start to see these signs come up and we're like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> like, And Charlie was like, put that shit away. We're coming up on a checkpoint. Like someone's going to have to search our car. Like this is bad. So we, we pull up and everyone's just like white knuckled, like trying not to be weird. We all hand them our IDs. And as soon as we pull up, this guy comes out of the, uh, uh, what's it called like little trailer thing with a dog so like we we had just pulled up he had just come out with a dog but thankfully this dog looked like it was maybe six months old and it was his first day on the job so he's just too distracted by everything and the guy's just kind of he looks at us and he's like what are y'all like what are y'all doing like what did you know texas van what are you coming through here for and so charlie's in the driver's seat and he's like oh we're we're a punk band and he goes oh punk huh got any weed in the car (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we look at him like, and so Charlie like very calmly, no, uh, of course not. And the guy gives us a look of like, yeah, the fuck you do. <laughs> the guy like takes a second, kind of checks in the van a little bit, like looks at the dog, looks at the guy, looks back at us, just very long, like felt like 10 minutes worth of time. And then he's finally like, all right, you guys be on your way. <laughs> but it was still like, we drove away yeah. and just all started screaming. Cause we were like, that was the scariest thing that we've had to go through thus far. <laughs> my experience with those is they would, I would pull up with my friend, just two white guys. Yeah. And they would be like, uh, you guys American citizens. And uh, we were always like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were hugging the Mexico border. So yeah. they were asking if we were Mexican. I thought you meant like and, you were hugging your friend. In yeah, the exactly. <laughs> uh, and we, they would like, we hit like five of them trying to get to LA and we were, uh, like it got to the point where every time they would ask us if we were uh, uh, U.S. citizens, we would answer in like German accents yeah. and shit like that. Just be like, da, da, and they'd be like, okay, go on. And I'm like, you dumbasses, yeah. Yeah. You just ask us, are you Mexican? Yeah, like, all right. just like I know what you're asking. Yeah, but, sorry to interject. No, no, you're no, fine. No, no, no. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Charlie. Just go. Right. See, <laughs> see, see, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, favorite tour stories. I mean, uh, just because it's the the tour we went on most recently I'll, I'll probably pull from from the teenage sex tour last summer too but uh i think highest point was definitely um we played a great show in san diego and i think that was our favorite stop as teenage sex the band but we have some buddies that were living in la at the time a band named junkie who i think relocated to san antonio again recently since that's where they're from but um they they were staying out in LA around the time that we toured out there and uh we're playing a house show the first night we rolled into town and we didn't have anything going on so went out with them and house shows in LA 
I mean, the, these guys had already some kind of like L.A. draw, I think, just because they had made the right connections and were playing the right kind of music. But by house show, I mean, we were in someone's backyard in, in one of the like kind of middle to lower class neighborhoods on the outskirts of L.A., with 400 kids in the backyard yes um it was it was a mad house and the plan initially was junkie was going to play their set and then at the very end of their set they were actually going to let us hop on and play a song at the end it was a great plan until the band before junkie was supposed to play in the middle of their set had this like very bright spotlight come on them in the middle of the set, and we had no idea what were going on, what was going on until we looked up, and it was an LAPD helicopter. LAPD <laughs> looked out on the street, and there was also four cruisers out there. So the party was being raided and shut down, and you know it it was chaos at first. A lot of people trying to figure out what to do. I'm used to Texas house parties getting shut down by much more conserv- conservative police officers. So people that will actually go into the party and try to start issuing as many tickets as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I learned um, LAPD doesn't want to fuck around with 400 kids that aren't going to do anything until, you know, they see the cops do something first. So it was just cops standing on the edge of the property, waving lights the helicopter circling as many times as it needed (laughs) to and eventually the kids just dispersed and i remember we we were one of the last to leave because our tour van was actually parked in the driveway so we had to wait for the sea of people to move but as we were pulling out i heard one of the cops say to his one of his buddies you know i love being assholes to these kids because they don't know it but like we're not going to do anything and you know (laughs) it was it was a great experience it was it was wild to see that crazy of a party in such a DIY setting, because, you know, I would expect that if I was going to see a show that crazy in L.A., it'd be at, like, a warehouse or a proper venue or something like that. Yeah. But, man, some kid's backyard was probably the craziest show we saw. That's nuts. That's and great. then I think, yeah, man, and then I think the the least favorite time that I had, uh, hate, hate to say it, but I, I'm going to put down Boise, Idaho as a place that you shouldn't go to if you can help it. Um, Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the music capital of the Midwest. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I know, and I also fucking love, uh, who's our buddies that live out there? Doesn't sound like you love them. Uh, Built to Spill? Yeah, Built to Spill. I'm actually, uh. Yes, you do love them. No, totally, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I actually met Doug Marsh another time and, and he's a great dude, but he's maybe the only person in Boise, Idaho that I would even care to, to hit up. But yeah, we played this house show in Boise that was just like put on by a band that sounded like a Tim and Eric sketch of what a pop punk band would sound like. Um, <laughs> the whole it show was, was it was very bad sketch. right down to they had their own theme song. Um, and they actually weren't even the reason that we didn't enjoy the show. Uh, one of the bands that opened up the show just had like a terrible notion of what punk music was and also some Aryan brotherhood tendencies. Um, One of the drummers, the drummer had, had some swastika tattoos and because the guitar player and lead singer of teenage sex has a little bit thicker Southern accent thought that that was a point of relatability and started talking to Caleb about his, his political views and, Caleb politely told him that they should probably drop the subject and that Caleb was going to go into the other room, but very much wanted to punch the dude in the face. So, mm-hmm. yep. um, yeah, we, we just all in all weren't, weren't too impressed with, with this, the scene that we saw there and maybe we just didn't get connected with the right people. But, um, 
I think the only saving grace was there was enough alcohol for us to kind of get silly enough to not care. And uh, we played there on a Sunday, so in the morning we were able to wake up and find uh, a site online that had the latest Rick and Morty episode available (laughs) to rip. So so we insisted (laughs) that they let us hook our laptop to the TV and at least got some some dope cartoon time in before we uh, (laughs) made our way to Seattle. But yeah. Yeah, I think I think next time if we can manage it, we're just gonna go straight from Salt Lake City to the the coast. Yeah, yeah. it's never fun being cornered by a racist, Dude. homophobic, sexist, anything yeah. like. Hey, was that time I... at the grotto? Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> gonna gross. name the venue, but yeah. Um, I mean, closed. it's not the grotto's fault, no. but like, man, we Hagen and I were cornered by a dude, and I like saw he had like an SS tattoo, and I was yeah. like. Like, he had been talking to us all night, and I was like, oh, this guy's nice. And then, like, I just saw it peek out of his arm, and I was like, oh, fuck. He, start, <laughs> he started off the night by being kind of a dick. and, try, and he, Oh, yeah, and, I and forgot he, about he that. He started off the night by, like, yelling at, like, me, Jackson, and our, whoever we were talking to at the time, being like, like oh, a bunch of fucking hipsters, oh, like, yeah. long hair, mm-hmm. like, giving us shit for the way we looked. And I was like, okay. I, I mean, I don't care. Like, if someone calls me a hipster or, like, makes fun of the way I look, whatever, Infinity. go for it, dude. Yeah. But like he like immediately felt like an asshole too or something because yeah, yeah. he he like beelined it to us after saying this it was like oh man like I'm not I don't mean anything by yeah. it was like yeah you do <laughs> yeah, you, you do. said yeah. it because you mean something and they, yeah. and they kept trying to like he he like essentially admitted to us that he was like a racist, racist. yeah like he was trying to justify it and we no. were like. Mm-mm. Not gonna have this. Yeah. I don't want to have like, this conversation with you. Those are definitely mood killers. But, yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, fuck them. You didn't even <laughs> have the constellation of visiting Boise, Idaho, the uh, dope cartoon kind capital of the Midwest. Yeah. Have you figured out that equation yet, Andy? Uh, yeah. All right, Hagen. What's our next segment? Hey, listen. What are you listening to? <laughs> That's yeah. the segment. We're just gonna talk about what we listening to. We'll go what first. What are the units for specific heat again? So you guys, uh, I don't know. I'm about to graduate, like, and I don't know. Is it like joules over like degrees I don't know, man. times mass? Don't ask me this. Uh, <laughs> it's MCAT, obviously. So we're gonna go first, and then you guys can, uh, uh, you know, have time to figure out what you're listening what you've been to. Listening to hell yeah. Um, uh, so last time I said that I was listening to the Greatest Showman soundtrack, and I'm still doing that, but it also <laughs> got me to listen to some more musical stuff. Which I mean, I already listen to musical stuff, but not as much. So I've been listening to. Uh, Pulling out the Les Mis, listening to some guys and dolls. You going to see Les Mis when it comes? Probably not. Oh. <laughs> I, I know you are. Yeah, we talked about this. Saw the color I'm purple bu- last night. Ooh, the musical. Oh, oh, nice. How was that? I have no idea what that story was about. Yeah, <laughs> I need to see the movie. Like, I think it's one of those things that did not translate well into a musical. Mm. Um, I've been listening to Waitress the musical because I'm going to New York and mm. I'm going to see that live with Sarah Bareilles and not Jason Mraz. Unfortunately, he will Aww. be gone. Bummer. But Sarah Bareilles is uh, rest in peace. <laughs> I'm calling it. Sarah Bareilles. Sarah Bareilles. <laughs> she's 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 my she's my girl. So I'm really stoked to see her live and see them see it on broadway so yeah nice i'm really proud of that joke <laughs> <laughs> we're proud of you see us all clap for jackson's corner clap right in the microphone too yeah please oh thanks <laughs> I, I get to edit that thank you right um yeah so i've had a, a weird uh couple of days of what i've been listening to i've been going back and forth between a uh, city and color and um yeah uh, mars volta so going from yeah. like uh, boohoo, poor me, um, music to uh, 
one what, acid trip. Yeah, what the fuck's <laughs> happening? <laughs> what, the, what the fuck's happening? Prog music, but yeah, I mean that—that's me in general. That's what I do all the time. But, I feel that. Yeah. The have you seen the video that's been circling, circulating around again of of at the drive-in one of their last performances live on Conan O'Brien? Man, you'll you'll have to check that out sometime. I o- Omar and Cedric are definitely on drugs. So I saw uh, <laughs> Cedric uh, in their new band, Anti Mask. I think mm-hmm. that's how it's pronounced. I saw them in Austin. And Cedric, during one of the songs, just started going nuts, as he does. Yeah. And, like, it's a sold-out show, because everyone was saying, like, oh, you know, it's the guys from Mars Volta. So, like, the yeah. whole tour was sold out. And um, he he grabbed one of the cymbals off of the stand during a song, grabbed it, and threw it across the room. And luckily, there was no, like, fans or anyone in the way. Just there was no one in the way. But he hit a, like, fire uh extinguisher and it like started to leak and that stuff is just kind of that like powder or whatever it is and so he just decides to take it off the wall and just start spraying it everywhere it was one of those things where (laughs) i was like holy shit i think i might like asphyxiate like yeah terrible like it's badass there's videos of it i'll see if we can link to it yeah it was nuts like it was one of those things where i've never like seen like a legitimate rock and roller like do something like mm-hmm. completely fucked up like that but it yeah. was super fun what are you listening to andy well you know i'm a sucker for those uh one name female indie rock acts so mitski and tristan oh mitski fucking nailed yeah. it man i uh i try to see her every time she comes to dallas uh she's a bit too big for me right now because i can't afford to go see her at yeah. the Dude, american Airlines center with lord yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. But that sounds like such an awesome show. Uh, Lord, yeah. too. I love Lord. Oh, I yeah. believe it's pronounced Lorde. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tristan Gaspadaric, she's a talented songwriter from Nashville. I love her to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Oh, Jackson is a Lord. We haven't talked about that. We'll talk about oh. it later. We'll yeah. talk about it later. We'll let that one sizzle for next episode. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone, everyone's on the edge of their seats. Lord like, oh Jackson. shit, what is Why that is mean? Jackson a lord? lord Jackson, <laughs> right. Go ahead, guys. Are you going, babe? Um, yeah, sure, I'll go. Uh, I've actually my Spotify for once gave me a good discover band because it never gives me the right bands. Uh, but I've been into trying to dive deeper into female-led musician groups just so i can kind of inspire myself through that uh but i discovered this band called little fevers they're really good they're almost like uh uh like sales meets like uh like tiny bit of a country influence but it's more of like the folk side of it so it's not like twangy or anything but it's just really calming and like nice pretty like like very uh, it's it's feminine, but it's got its own little like interesting quirks to it. So uh, little fevers, definitely check those guys out. And then uh, this band Vundabar, I actually been into them for quite a while, but have been listening to them pretty pretty a lot <laughs> recently, just because they're good. Like I can focus on what I'm doing like while I'm listening to them. Uh, but funny enough, they played in Dallas recently and stayed the night at a friend of ours' house, like while they were on their tour, and they they were in. Uh, the like above level from where we were because like our friends live on the bottom level of this house and then another band that's also friends of ours lives on the top level of the house and they were sleeping in the top level of the house and I like wanted to meet them so bad but I was like of course like you know they've got to probably drive to who knows fucking where tomorrow 
but one of their like lights was on in their car and my friend and I were already pretty drunk at that point and we were like okay we have to very calmly and very quietly go upstairs wake someone up and tell them that the lights on their car so that way their battery doesn't die overnight um but it it i don't know just funny story relating to that band but they're also really good very awesome band i don't know where either of these bands are from or anything but they're great and good music you should check out so yeah oh man i'm always all over the place i'm one of those people a a new band every day if i can but i think some of the ones that have been sticking with me most lately um there's this band that i mean they're I don't know. I don't know what else to say besides they're heavy, but um, it's a band called Weed, which you gotta love. A, gotta love a name like Weed. Yeah. Four, four letters, something we all love. And if you don't love, well, then I respect you. I don't have anything negative to say, but um, <laughs> but yeah, this band called Weed. I, I first got really into a track of theirs, um, Heal, from their 2013 album Deserve. Um, and there's some really cool. Uh, live versions of that song there's one I can't remember the name of the video series but um, Caleb from Teenage Sex showed me where this video series specifically will take bands out to horrible for like audio purposes locations bring out the worst equipment they can find and insist that these bands just make do and they'll bring great recording equipment so they still get a great like capture of the song but this band, the the way that they have like kind of doomy but still melodic instrumentation with a vocalist that he either whispers or he screams, and those are his two settings, pulled it off completely. And I think it's one of my favorite versions of the song because it's super dirty. That's awesome. Um, but I I bought their uh, later album Running Back that they came out with in 2015 on vinyl because I, I first got into that song and I've been playing that front to back a lot lately. Um, and then there's another band that I've been getting into a lot because I kind of want to meld um, their sound with with Weeds to to form the new project that Aaron and I kind of want to pursue this year. Um, there's a band called Hop Along mm. that has yeah re- really cool just kind of garagey sound and a vocalist who is all over the place melodically and as far as like the timing of her words, but it just, it fits perfectly. It's, it's almost just like a nonstop drunk confession. Every song that, that yeah. she, yeah. That she so performs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Have you ever listened to Bully? I, that name. I've been suggested Bully because yeah. of Pop Along recently <clears throat> yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Bully. Bully. Yeah. Yeah, it's bully. I've been oh, bullied bully. before. If y'all want to talk about that, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this is therapy. That's, uh, that'll be the movie episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, super down for that. Were you? No, no, no. Else? Yeah, yeah. Those those two are great. And then um, another band that's been a great influence more uh, for teenage sex than anything else. Um, there's a group called Sorority Noise that just rips. They're coming to town soon. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're coming to town in March. We're actually funny enough cool enough with the club data owner that he's going to get Caleb and I in. And then Aaron's a whiz. So she's getting in his press. I don't think so, but I I wanted to go to that, but like, I'm just broke as fuck. So I like knowing that I'm on a guest list. Yeah. I bought a ton of tickets lately. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, cause I was trying to decide on uh, like, Oh, tiny moving parts and mom jeans or that show. show. Cause like 
I don't know why in my head I thought like, oh, I can only go to one style right. of emo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can only yeah. handle so much. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's I'm I'm glad that that's you really you mentioned show. that because yeah, sorority noise is great about they they have very emotionally driven music and they they kind of tiptoe on the boundary of emo, but they're also just straight up rock and roll at certain points. And there's sure. even one or two songs that are like a little punky, but um, I think just the most emo thing about them is their lyrics. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. And that, and if yeah, you ever see an rock. interview with Cameron Boucher, the the lead, the front man, like he's had an incredibly devastating life, lost a lot of friends to depression, suicide, and drug overdose, and and he himself actually admits to suffering from some severe depression. So, yeah. um, I definitely find that relatable. Also, find it incredibly endearing that he's willing to share so much of that of of himself and yeah, his work. Of um, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, without bragging too much, um, Teenage Sex just found out that he actually may be mastering the album that we're coming out with. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. super, yeah. super fucking stoked Shut if that works out because I mean, li- like I said, he, he's had incredible influence on our sound as of late. So it'd be miraculous if he was able to also have a part yeah, on, that'd be nuts. on our album. So, uh, where can everybody find the springtime, uh, record? Uh, where so can they find springtime? There's there's one track that we leaked uh, from the album already on SoundCloud. It's called 15 Seconds of Fame. Um, And the SoundCloud account is actually Charlie Springtime to Bolt. I haven't made it an exclusive Mm -hmm. band SoundCloud because I I feel like SoundCloud should be the personal, you know, realm that you create for yourself. And then Bandcamp's like the official spot. So um, I think once we get the physical copies of the CD in like a week before the release show, I'll, I'll have the full album up on Bandcamp. And I, I'm into the, you know, pay what you want idea. Um, so if you want the album for free, it should be available on Bandcamp probably, you know, starting around February 7th. Yeah. Um, and then if you're into the physical copy, we've got, I think, like 70 copies that we're ordering for this first run. So, you know, we'll, we'll have those till they're gone um, during the release shows and then... Maybe see about doing a second run. Might just make it limited so that, you know, it's got that idealistic value to it or whatever. Yeah. And you guys are on Facebook and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Facebook. Uh, we have a Twitter account. It's mainly just me making really bad jokes. Um, <laughs> Sounds like that's the place everyone should go. Yes. Yeah, Follow yeah, anyways. yeah. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, I've found out, is the most worthless social medium. So just have fun with it, right? Yeah, you just got <laughs> yeah. to use it right. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty easy to find though. We have an email account. I don't use it, so please, please email us with yeah. all your deepest, darkest secrets. Uh, Adam, hey. where can they find us? Andy, where can Adam, they where can they find oh, us? By the way, we should uh, try and uh, name like a band that's super hard to like write like poorly. Oh, yeah. Like, does anybody have any foreign bands that they can uh, name right now? Because Adam does all the show notes. Oh, nice. He'll he'll, uh, uh, he, he, he'll he find out really hard. Yeah, he yeah. links all the bands everyone talks about. They're listening to. So if we name something that's really hard for him to like search up, okay. Somebody uh, mentioned like a like it was like a Japanese artist and like he he was just like yeah that oh, took me forever. Midori, Midori, yes, nice, okay, nice. Uh, I I know of one Russian band that has a really cool kind of like horror punk theme uh, going on. It's better called, not be Pussy Riot. No, no, Messer Chups. Okay. Good luck with that one, Adam. Did Paul tell you about that? Yeah, yeah. A, a regular at the brunch cafe out, yeah. that we work at mentioned that group to me, and they're mm-hmm. they're funny as fuck. And I guess I'll end it. Uh, I have a really hard one, Adam. It's called Bon Iver. Good <laughs> I think luck. it's Bon Iver. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Yeah. Sorry. Bon Actually, Iver. I think Bon Iver's dead now. I think he's... Mm-hmm. 
is that what happening? That no, that was Jason Mraz. The space, that was Jason Mraz, right? The sorry. spacing oh. was the spacing was actually unintentional. It's one word, Bonnever. Bonnever. Yeah. Oh, that's Bonnaroo. That's a music festival. <laughs> Donovan. Yes. Well, Jackson, where can they find us? Uh, I don't know where you can find us, so uh, Adam will link to in it. In the void. Yeah, you'll find us in the void. You'll find me in my room. There's like DonFeedTheArtist.com. The I don't know. There's an Instagram. DFTA podcast. Yeah, DFTAPodcast.com. I got this. I got this. email us. Follow us on your favorite podcast. Leave a review somewhere. I hope to read it. Be mean. Be nice. I don't care. Send us an email. Yeah, please send Anybody. me an email. Yeah. Or Mom? just send an email yeah. to my address. It's 666 Boner Street. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. And, and Hagen's mom, uh, we love you, and I hope you're having a great day. Right. Yeah. We love everyone. She loves you a lot. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I met your mom. I yes. forgot about that. And she was like, I loved your video. And I was like, who are you and what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that makes oh. a lot more sense. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Bing bong.